0: Alive and so can we. Hallelujah. Happy Resurrection Sunday, guys. Thank you for risking life and limb to come out to Lake Haven Church if you're a visitor. We're not too crazy here. In fact, we were talking this week, we were thinking we should change our, um, our slogan. What do you think about this? Join us here because we're not all there. You think that sounds pretty good? I thought it was pretty good. I think you know, so. so. <laughs> uh, God is so good, man. It's so good to worship with you. If you're if you're visiting with us, please relax and make yourself at home. Um, we love Easter Sunday, happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, it is it is a premium time just to re- to remember. What the finished work of the Lord did, just as that beautiful video said, he did so much. And, you know, we often talk about um, the cross on, on because that's what we do celebrate uh, is the, the three days that we just come through over the Passover period of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. But so much come, happened in those three days. Do you know that it wasn't just what Jesus accomplished when he died um, that, that was so amazing? And we're going we're gonna to delve into some of what he accomplished when he died but through his life, through his, when he died, what he accomplished. But do you know that what he actually accomplished a bunch of things for us while he was dead in the grave. The Bible tells us what he accomplished in the grave. Because it tells us that he defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave. So not while when he was done at the cross, he wasn't done. There was a certain part that was done, and we'll touch on that, but there was other things that weren't done. He defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. He was resurrected on the third day, and that wasn't it yet. Then he ascended on high, took his blood into the holy, heavenly holy of holies and brought us our redemption. He put that, that blood of his was placed on the mercy seat in heaven. That wasn't a copy here on the, in the earthly tabernacle, but it was placed in heaven. And so he made eternal redemption for us after those. Th- this is all post three days, people. And then he said, guys, he stayed 40 days. And then he said, listen, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. And he sent his Holy Spirit. All of those are immense pieces that we can't do without. And, and so as we look at, at, at the cross and what Jesus did on this, I want you to just, that teaser, Overflow Conference just happened to fall this week. But, but the, it's all about the person, work, uh, power, availability of, of what the Holy Spirit brought us. And we've got some really great speakers and we're doing it a little different. So it's only evening 630 this, um, this week, 6.30 to about 8 or so. And um, come and learn. You're gonna, you're, it's going to be a, an awesome time together as we just unpack who the Holy Spirit is. If you aren't, don't know about the Holy Spirit, if, if you think the Holy Spirit is just about a bunch of people being weird or just falling down or just being silly, it ain't. Amen. I'll, I'll try my best American ain't. Okay. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not a, it, the Holy Spirit is an essential person that Jesus said, it's better that I go away. Jesus literally said that it's better it's for your advantage it's better that you go that I go away so that I can send the holy spirit to you but unfortunately a lot of the church today have he is just simply a doctrine we believe in the trinity the father son and holy spirit but if he is only a doctrine and he is not a working part of your life you are living way beneath your means as a child of god way beneath where you can be living, all the advantages and the benefits that you're going to be hearing some about this week. So I want to encourage you, come and learn about that. But isn't it good to know that Jesus is alive? He is God of the living and not of the dead. He is alive right now. Uh, You know, we have friends, Tim and Carolyn, and uh, they work in the Middle East, and, and they tell us constantly of people how many people that they are encountering that are seeing the resurrected Christ. They are seeing Him. Oh, in the Middle East, there is a massive amount of people that are turning to Jesus in Iran. Not just in Iran, but all, I'm telling you, people are seeing the resurrected Christ. And it's just exciting to me because we don't often hear about things like that, but they, they see Him, it seems to be, a lot more than we do. And because I guess there's just fewer missionaries that are taking the gospel out there. But, but you know, you know um, when we talk about the cross and Easter... There's a lot of Christians that, that live in this this two covenant world, this old covenant and this new covenant world. They, they feel like, you know, God is, is happy with them when they live right, but not so sure when I make a mistake. I don't know where God is, how he feels about me because, you know, I haven't been to church so often or I, I haven't been reading my Bible or I haven't been paying my money to the church, or I haven't been, I haven't been, I haven't been doing this, or I've been doing the wrong things. And so they're not so sure how God feels towards them. And, and, and the cross, when we know what the finished work of the cross, it should absolutely settle and give us confidence and peace in our relationship with God. Because unfortunately, when trouble comes our way, if we don't know, and we are not founded in the finished work of the cross, what we do is we kind of run away from God and He is the solution. He is the, he is the help. He is going to be the one that's going to be there for you in a time of trouble or in a time of tragedy. We all face tragedies and troubles. You know that, right? Amen. Jesus said we will. But you know that God is your first helper. We'll talk about that tomorrow night a little bit. He is the first comforter. But if you feel like God is behind it because you haven't lived right or because you've done something wrong, you will actually beeline in the opposite direction. You will avoid God. You don't want to go into church. You don't want to hear anything because you feel that God is going to bring a message or something or even the Holy Spirit is going to condemn you for your sin. No. He is not a condemner. He is a comforter. He is there to comfort you and to help you. But you see, people don't even don't realize what the cross was about. And we'll talk about that. As I said, I'm going to be speaking tomorrow night here, so and I'll, I'll get stuck into that. But know this, that he is your comforter. He is not the one that is there to condemn you. I can tell you that for sure, but more tomorrow. Okay. Hallelujah. But listen to this in Hebrews 4 verse 16. Then let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Do you know that it is a throne of grace and you can find mercy and grace there, but we have to have the confidence to draw near. You can have confidence to run into the throne room of God. And Jesus gave us the confidence to do that. We should be able to have confidence. I'm telling you, time after time, when we meet people or encounter people that are going through tra- tra- terrible tragedy, they think that they've done something wrong. Uh-huh. They feel like they've done something wrong, and so they've brought this on. and so God is, is somehow issuing something, or there's a, there's, a, there's a circumstance that he's doing. No, 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 no. Good news is what Jesus came to give us. Um, This scripture I love so much in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 it says uh, Paul writing to the Romans he says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel the good news because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for um, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith for it is written the righteous shall live by faith. It is good news that is the power of God for salvation. Salvation, if you've been here with us uh, uh, for any length of time, salvation is a Greek word, sozo, soteria. It it means way more than just going to heaven one day. It means in a full life. It means an abundant life. It means to live whole and healed and having no lack. All of those things are included. But it is the gospel, people. It is the gospel that is the power of God to experience that. Not super... I'm going to even say it this way, not super righteous living. It is the gospel, the good news of what Jesus accomplished. You know, you can ask most Christians today, what is the gospel? And some people, it's interesting what, what answers you will get. Well, it's the first four chapters of the New Testament, the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. That's what some people say. Well, the Gospel is everything God said. No, 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 no. It's a particular message. The good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And we're going to have a better idea of what this is because Jesus, in Luke 4, when he began his ministry, he quoted out of Isaiah chapter 61. And he said this. Um, I'm reading in, the, in the, the New King James Version for this one. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, there's that word again, to the poor. Now, he's not talking about the financially deficit. He's talking, he's, he's given, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is, in a nutshell, what Jesus was saying. This is why I'm here, people, to do all these things. It's not just the physical blind. It's not just the captives that are real captives in prison. It's people that are trapped by addiction and depressions. People that are all of these things that we can live with that, 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 that Jesus came to set us free from. And this is the liberty. This is the year of the Lord's favor that he came to give us. I'm really spitting up a storm here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> So it's but, but I love, you, you know that, that Isaiah, there is so much in the book of Isaiah, Jen, I know, sorry, you just made me think of this, Isaiah, we say Isaiah, okay, Isaiah, I, Isaiah, but Isaiah, it's an interesting thing, that the prophet Isaiah, his name actually means something, you know what it is, Jehovah has saved, or better this, salvation of Yah. That's what Isaiah means. Yesiah, the salvation of Yah. His name was talking about what Isaiah was going to do. He was the prophet of salvation. He was going to talk about salvation more than any prophet in the Old Testament. And of course, you can't go through a Resurrection Sunday without this famous passage in Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression... Crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray, and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that whole chapter of Isaiah 53 is powerful, but those two verses are the essence of the, this peace. And, and he says, like, uh, griefs and sorrows, and, 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 you know, anybody who teaches it will tell you, well, that is pains and sicknesses. He has carried our pains and sicknesses. Then it says that in verse, uh, verse 5 there, that he was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our iniquities. That is our perversity, our, our guilt. That, that our um, uh, 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 depravities, all of these things, these uh, perversity, depravities, that's what the word iniquity is. But it says that he was crushed for whose iniquities? Ours. Ours. Just think about that for a second. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, was crushed for our iniquities. And it says upon him, upon who? Yeah. Upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought us peace, the punishment, the chastisement that brought us peace, was upon him? And it says, "By his stripes we were healed." And then this uh, verse six is so powerful too. It says that all we, like sheep, have gone astray and turned east to his own, where the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What? Yes, us all. Us all, do you know that Jesus literally took the iniquity of every single human being that did, had ever lived, was living, and who will ever live? Yes, well, I'm not so sure about that, Shannon. No, let's re- let's carry on reading. First John chapter two, verse two. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world that word propitiation is an atonement in some of the places but it's 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 he would take the punishment and give us something in return right we're going to unpack this a little bit but but he this is what Jesus did for us he is the one that did it for the whole world for us all well Shannon are you saying that everybody is just automatically born again. No, 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 no. In case you're not clear, emphatically in the Greek, because some people say, no means no, completely. No. You know, he did take the sin of the whole world. And I I will touch on this as well, because there is is one, however, sin that we can be condemned from. The Holy Spirit only convicts of one sin, it says in John 16. The sin, because we believe not in him, there is only one sin left. Well, Shannon, are you saying right now? I can hear your minds. Sorry, it's very quiet here. So it's like I can hear your brains going. No, it's like he, he is absolutely forgiven everything. That does not mean it's, we're, it's a free fall on sin. We, sin is still going to bring destruction in our life. If you drive too fast, you might crash or might get thrown in jail. If you drink too much, you may destroy your family. If you do this, you do every, every sin that God called sin has got destruction with it. Yeah. But let me tell you that every payment of every sin has been paid for. Yeah. Jesus took the punishment on his person, on his body, it says. And it says, there's, there's so much in this, this passage. But in, in, the, in two, two, two chapters later, um, the, also talking about God's love in verse 8, it says... Um, this in 1 John 4, sorry, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest among, um, among us, that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. Hold on a second. God sent his son in the world. Why? So that we could live through him, it says. In this is love, the next verse, not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son, there's that word again, to be the propitiation for our sins. He is literally going to be the one that is going to be, he is going to take all the punishment for your every sin on him. That's something to take on and take in. Every sin has been punished. You mean the willful ones? Yes. There's nothing left off the cross. The mistake ones? Yes. Every single sin was taken. Does that mean I'm exempt from the effects of sin? No. But I can tell you, you are exempt from punishment from God. The punishment for your sin was poured out on Jesus. So, Shannon, now I'm going to have to throw this out there when I make a statement like this. Does that mean, Shannon, you're saying that there's not going to be a judgment at the end? No, there will be. There will be a judgment, and there will be an end-time judgment, and there is a hell. There is a hell. We don't speak much about hell, but there really is an eternal hell for people who don't receive Jesus. There will be a judgment. And, but as I said, the only sin that people will be judged from, you won't get a movie screen that will come down uh, and, and, or, and, and grandma's going to show everything that you did in the dark. Or grandma's going to see everything that you did in the dark. Or mama. No. It's gone. It's under the blood. It's been, co- it's, been, it's been obliterated as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah says in the beginning of the chapter, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as wool. There is no, that's why, this is why we can run to the throne of grace. This is why we can boldly walk into the, in the presence of God and walk up boldly, even, man, I'm so tempted to go there. Uh, There there, there is, the, the Bible tells us that we are the ones that have to purge our consciences. Do you know that your conscience can be evil? I thought your conscience was the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. You have to purge your conscience, but if you don't know this truth, you won't have anything to purge your conscience with. The whole book of Hebrews talks about this. We purge our conscience with the blood of Christ because we look back to the cross and we purge our consciences from things that are done. Now, if you are hearing in this, oh, great, then I can go and sin and everything's fine. No, let me tell you, you will destroy your life. Sin will bring destruction God is not the one behind it ever I it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what happens it is not God that is issuing God is not the issuer of sickness he is not the issuer of disease he's not going to teach you a lesson with sickness there is no sickness in heaven He does not have it in his arsenal. God is pure light and love, and he doesn't have it in his arsenal to give you any sickness to teach you anything. And if any of you have thought God is teaching you with sickness, I'm sorry, but you've been lied to. He can't. There's nothing that you learn from sickness. Anyhow. God is the very, very, very definition of love. It says in John 3, the most famous scripture we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes on to, to explain that, 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 you, that if you don't believe on him, then you stand condemned already. But I like the preceding verse. Right there in verse 14, sorry, in two verses, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. That was a beautiful picture. You know, I was a medic in the army um, when we were deployed in a a war, what we call the Bush War in South Africa. It was about a 14-year war. And I was deployed as an operational medical orderly, an ops medic they called us. I was deployed with different teams and things like that. And I got on our berets. We had a red beret, and on which... And, and we have a, you know, the famous sign of the medic, like you see on, on Band-Aids and you see on ambulances, you see the staff with the snake on it. Mm-hmm. That comes from that very scripture where, where the Israelites had been bitten by poisonous snakes after they had, com- they had been idolatrous and they had, they had rejected God. They had, there was, there, was, there was, snakes were amongst their midst and were biting them and they were dying by the thousands. And the Lord said to Moses, Take a bronze serpent and raise it up on a staff that whoever just looks at it, it's listen, this is not difficult, people. Yeah, yeah. If you just look at it, you would be saved. Wow. Mm-hmm. Think about this for a second. I love that symbol because that, if you know what that means when you see a person who has got a bronze serpent on a staff if you just look at it you're going to live and so they did they were delivered and here right here in John 3:16 which we've known for our whole lives two verses before it just as Moses raised up that serpent on a staff he says so must he be lifted up a serpent Why was there a serpent on the staff? Because Jesus would become sin. Jesus would take every sin of every human being. Every sin. You saying my Christ was a serpent? Mm, Yes. In this imagery, he was. He was raised up on a cross and became sin. And there's scripture in the New Testament that we will touch on. If you're not ready to run out the house just yet, just hold it, stick up, stick with me. His love did this. Jesus said these he says, "Why have you forsaken me?" Remember? Mm-hmm. "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Man, it's such a powerful scripture, because he was rejected. In fact, I'm just going to give you the scripture now. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin, not carry sin. Oh, there's the theologians. He became sin. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. That in him, we might become the righteousness of God. There was an exchange that happened that you and I had no part to play in it. Other than, will we receive this free gift of righteousness or not? We read that scripture, Romans 1. This is the power of God. Because in this, gospel is the righteousness that is from God revealed that is by faith that's what makes it good news righteousness that is going to come simply by faith God made I'm going back to 2nd Corinthians 5 21 God made him who had no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God now Isaiah this prophet of salvation carried he talks about this so much in fact You know, in Isaiah 54, you know, now we've spoken about Isaiah 53 a little bit. Here was what Jesus was going to do. The suffering servant was laid out in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 54, verse 7, it says this, For a brief moment, verse 7, I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love I will have compassion on you. Maybe I read that wrong. Maybe it's with, sometimes I will love you when you do right, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Is that what it says? No. With everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. There's that word. Redeemer. The one who would buy you back into, out of bondage. <coughs> this is like the days of Noah. Uh, to me, I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So have I sworn that I will not be angry with you and not rebuke you. Man alive, I swore. Do you remember the story, right? Now, that wasn't just a story, it wasn't just an analogy. It really happened. The world really was flooded. It was. And here he says, it's the days of Noah. Now remember afterwards, the, Lord's, the Lord was, was sad then that he had destroyed the world that way. And so he gave Noah what the sign of the, the rainbow. And he said, this will be an everlasting covenant that I will make with you, that I will never again flood the earth. Now that's what you call an unconditional promise. God didn't say, listen, okay, my wrath is satisfied I, until you you all tick me off again, especially you Democrats and Republicans in America one day, if you tick me off again, one day I'm going to come and I'm going to flood the earth all over again. No. God made an unconditional promise. Never again will I flood the earth. And as a sign, the first rainbow, and ever since the rainbow, is supposed to remind us of his eternal covenant that God will never destroy again the earth with water. So he says this, this is like the days of Noah to me that as I swore the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn. I have made another unconditional covenant with you. Just like that one. That I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. Now I'd like to ask you, how many of you have heard That God will never be angry with you and never rebuke you again. I'm not asking you to put up your hands. But this is what he says. The new covenant. In any case, I'm going to carry on reading. In verse 10, it says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love, there it is again, my chesed, will not depart from you, and my covenant of peace. God made a covenant. A covenant is an unbreakable promise, except this is God making the unbreakable promises. Marriage is a covenant. We use covenants in, in earth. There are covenants in the Bible, but God's saying, I'm going to make a covenant of peace with you that, that shall not be removed. Did you see that? Shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Guys, If this gets in your heart, it will revolutionize your life. It will revolutionize every part of your life. Because what it will do is it will draw you to God like a magnet. Because you will be the one that will run to his presence no matter how you fall. And you will. You will fall. You will fail. You will make mistakes. Unintentionally. Hopefully most of them. But it will bring you back because you will, if you put this in your heart and you store these words in your heart, then you will go back to him because you will say, I have an unconditional covenant. I have a covenant of peace that God has made with me. I'm going to go back to that covenant of peace. I'm going to remember that covenant of peace. Do you know that that's up to you? Just like David encouraged himself in the Lord. We're told, we've got to purge our country. We've got to remind ourselves, if we don't even know this, then we've got nothing to put faith to. If you've never heard this before, it's, it's, I'm, I'm reading out the Bible, people. You can say, well, Shannon says this. I will argue you. You can tell me what Shannon says, and I will show you what the Word of God says. Amen. Yes, amen. I will argue with Shannon if I need to. Yeah, there go. <laughs> me, myself, and I, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but he has sworn an unconditional covenant, a covenant of peace. Yes. Do you think that's why the angels might have sung and spoke peace and goodwill to all men? No. Peace, I declare to you. I make peace with you. Amen. God is at peace with man. There are so many things about this in, in, that, that, are, um, <laughs> that are just phenomenal. I mean, yeah, I'll get to Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe I can touch on that. But there's a beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter 2 that talks about how he has made peace. Peace to those who are far off and peace to them that are near. You who were Gentiles that you had nothing to do with. And he talks about this whole process. It's, it's all over the Bible. This is not just selective It's all over the Old and New Testament. The old guy, the Old Testament people, just didn't see it clearly. We have it clearly. We can look back two thousand years at the cross at this day and celebrate this covenant. Peace. In fact, this is a this is one of the saddest translations mistakes that I that I that I took because it says this in John chapter twelve, Jesus speaking. So it's in red, if you have that kind of Bible. Now is my soul troubled? In verse twenty-seven, what shall I say? John 12, verse 27. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Then Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. This voice comes from heaven. The crowd stood there, heard it, and said that it had thundered. So they never quite heard the word, some of them. And others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answers, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. And then he says this, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. He said this to show by what kind, by what kind of death he was going to die. Lifted up from the earth. Verse 33 says, here we see that whole bronze serpent illustrating it. He was going to, it was going, the Son of Man must be lifted up from the earth And he says, this is what, what and so he created a bunch of confusion because they never understood what he was saying. Again, we have the benefit of time. We have the benefit of teaching. We have a benefit from all the apostles. We can read these things from all the apostles years later as they've taught us. But he says this, he says, now Jesus says this. I, I want you to understand this so clearly. Now is the judgment of this world. When did Jesus say this? Is that a difficult question? When did Jesus say, now is the judgment of this world? 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of the world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Are all people drawn to Jesus? No. Why, oh why, oh why? Why? Does almost every translation have the word people in it? When if you go and look at the original, there is no people in it. It doesn't say in Greek, pas anthropos for people. It just says pas. And then you will see in a lot of translation, a lot of people have translated. If you have a, new, you have a King James Version, people will be in italics. Because it's words that the translators have added because they thought it would make more sense that way. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He said, now is the judgment of this world. And then he says, and so when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all judgment to myself. Judgment was drawn to Jesus. When he was lifted up, the judgment of the world was pulled onto him. Now, I know this is a mind bender for some of you but yet it lines up with everything we're just reading. Everything in Romans, everything in Isaiah, that he would be taking the punishment for our peace. Everything. The great exchange, right? The great exchange. If you grasp this great exchange, I'm telling you, it makes everything different. It was a divinely inspired exchange. And and in in the you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 17 to 21, talks about it so powerfully, but it's also in other, in other passages in the New Testament that just for the sake of time I can't do, go into. But, but it's, it's really there. You know, 2 Corinthians five, seventeen: For God, I mean, sorry, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? And then he says, Old has passed away, behold, the new has come. I'm reading, sorry, forgive me for flashing through it. All this is from God who through Christ Reconciled us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I've got to stop here because this word reconciliation in this passage is numerous times. Reconciliation is the word in Greek katalaso. It's an accounting term. It is to be, it, it is literally to exchange. It's to settle your books. Jen does our accounting. It's like when you balance the books. To reconcile a statement. Ever heard of that? It's that word, to reconcile a statement. And so he says, he says, Christ has reconciled us to himself. Exchanged us to himself and given us the ministry of exchange that in Christ, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself. We read 1 John 2, 2 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 earlier. Not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Then it says this, I'm going to go back to 19, sorry. That is in Christ, Jesus was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. Did Shannon say this? No. So who is God holding trespasses against? A test. This is a test. No one. Because now is the judgment of the world, 2,000 years ago. Now when he was lifted up, he became the serpent. Now he took the sin of the world. And this is only half of the good news, people. Only half of the good news. We'll get to the other half here in a second. John 19:30. when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. There on the cross... Jesus said, it is finished. When he was taking on the judgment of the world, he said, it is finished. It's actually one Greek word, tetelestai. Some of you have heard it. Tetelestai is the Greek word. It's, it's, an account, it's another accounting term, funny enough. Business documents, if they had a bill or a debt, they would say, Greek, Greek people would understand this. It is paid in full. Paid, I'm going to say it again, paid in full. Jesus is saying, paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in, full. in fact, that's not only it. I don't understand Greek tenses very much. They've got, they got a whole bunch more tenses than in English, but this is written, that word is in the perfect tense. Now I had to go and study the perfect tense. This is what the Blue Letter Bible talks about, the perfect tense. It actually uses this word as an example of the perfect tense. It says in Greek, the Greek corresponds to the perfect tense in English and describes an action which is viewed, listen to this, as having been completed in the past, once and for all, not needing to be repeated. Jesus' last cry from the cross, tetelestai, it is finished, is a good example of the perfect tense used in this sense, namely, it, the atonement, or propitiation has been accomplished completely once and for all time. Once for all time, there are, there are a bunch of scriptures that talk about that in Hebrews. I mean, we got there's at least four or five that I could think of in Hebrews 8, 9, 10, 12 that, that talk about once and for all, once and for all, once and for all. Jeremiah 31, the old prophet, and they quote Jeremiah 31. And he says, Jesus says, talking about, well, the prophet saying, prophesying. I will, talks about the new covenant. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. He was, I will remember their sins no more. Amen. But Shannon, I've never heard that. If that's what you feel, then please Listen to this many times and go and dig it out in your Bible. He will remember your and my sins no more. No more. I've got to say it again. Does that mean that there's no consequences? Of course there's consequences. There's consequences. God's just not the issuer of consequences. The punishment, there is no, there is nothing that separates you from him. That means that you have to change your little Roman road of salvation. If you want to witness to me, you can't tell somebody, hey, listen, if you come to me, God will forgive your sins. That's a lie. What did you mean, Shannon? I've always said that. Because you just said God will. I'm just telling you, God did. God has. The good news of the cross is God has forgiven your sin. One sin remains. Will you believe in him? Will you receive the free gift of eternal life? Will you receive the free gift of righteousness? Because now we get into the other half. You see, Jesus took out all our sins and iniquities and trespasses upon him. And guess what we got. Let's go back to Second Corinthians 5:21. God made him who had no sin before, and God made him who had no sin to become sin. For us that we might become the righteousness of God oh no I can't believe that in fact Isaiah says that in the beginning of Isaiah 53 the whole chapter he says nobody's going to believe this who's going to believe this who's who's going to believe this message you mean we're going to get the right yes the exchange means exactly that Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. When we step into him, when we are in him, we receive his righteousness. You don't get his righteousness because you're sitting around doing whatever you want in the world. No, no, no. When you step into faith and you say, God, I receive that. I receive your righteousness. When I step into you, then I am the very righteousness of God. Do, because I earned it? Sadly not. In fact, God says if you try and earn it, you glorify you in your little self-righteous efforts. You can't. You have to. There's only one way into heaven. There's only one way to be declared righteous, and that's to get the robust kind, Paul says in Philippians 3. He teaches a whole passage. He says, man, I used to have all these credentials. I was this fancy guy, and I had all the big, I had the degrees on my wall. I, had, I was this, I was persecuted the church. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was Benjamin, blah, blah, blah. He says, and now I'm throwing all of this away. I count it as dung. And he says, so that I can receive the robust kind of righteousness that comes by faith. Free faith righteousness that comes by faith. It costs Jesus everything. And so Romans 5 verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, being justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. There it is again. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have obtained access by faith through grace. Grace means it came freely, and it was what God gave to us, but we receive it by faith. So I'm going back to verse one again in, in Romans 5. He says, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith. At the previous chapter, if you had understood the background to this, he was comparing works and works, righteousness, and faith, righteousness. And he basically says, he says, no. We can't earn it. We can't. We've got to receive it by faith. We've got to receive this completely by faith. We become the very righteousness of God. Do you know that that means that you can lift up when you know who, when you have received that, this is this is a conditional statement. You have one, have to receive it from Jesus. But when you are, when you receive it from Jesus, you become the very righteousness of God. God says you become a new creation. New. The problem is, we don't believe that. We say, oh, I'm just a dirty old written sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. Not if you've been saved by grace, you ain't a dirty, rotten sinner no more. You are the very righteousness of God. It's a package deal. You get the heads and the tails. He took your sin, he gave you his righteousness. So you've got to believe what God gave you. I am the very righteousness of Christ in me. And you go read the gospels, I mean the epistles, especially Ephesians, and you go to Galatians and Colossians. In him, in him, in him, in him, in him, through him, in him, in him, through him, in him, in him. In him, we have the very righteousness of God. Which when you understand, listen, I am in Christ. I have been made one in Christ. There's these crazy things that Jesus said that they may be one as we are one and and we are him and I'm in, in John 17. Because we're one in him. Listen, guys, I know this is a mind tilt for religion. Because, listen, you can't receive this with your head. You can only believe this with your heart. And when our hearts are so hardened by religion and stuff like that, so if your heart is open to hear what God is saying, it will drop in your heart and it will radicalize your life. Because when you believe what God has done for you, you believe who you really are, you stop wanting to do the sin. Because I'm the righteousness of God, people. Why would I do that? I'm the very right- because you start believing that you are who Jesus said you've become. The very righteousness of God. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean this. Ephesians two is what I mentioned mentioned earlier. Ephesians two twelve. Remember that you were once separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, without God in this world. But now, man, don't you love that word? But sometimes, yes, amen. but now. But now in Christ Jesus, there it is, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile. Oh, there's that word again. Might reconcile us to both God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. Peace. Peace. Stop being robbed. Stop being robbed of the intimacy of a relationship with your gracious heavenly Father. Instead of avoiding him when you fail, run to him. You don't have to ask him for forgiveness because he would say to you, what? What did you just do? Just run to him. It's believing. It's becoming one. It's becoming entwined with him. It's about being one with him. In fact, I love that word in Isaiah chapter 40 when it says, those who wait upon the Lord. It's the word, kava. It's not going to sit down like this and... I'm going to wait for God. It's cover. I will entwine myself. I will become braided together with Him. And those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They shall rise up as wings as eagles. Wait upon the Lord. This is a big thing if you've never heard the gospel. But what I've just told you is the gospel. I know I didn't hear it when I grew up in church. But this is the good news. God took your sin and he gave you his righteousness. It is a free gift that must be received and only can be received by faith. It's given by grace. Jesus did the work. But will we receive it by faith? So what will you believe? If you don't, if you haven't believed or any, I ask you, I challenge you. Please go listen to this again. Ask the Holy Spirit because he is the teacher and if you've received the Holy Spirit as your teacher and you ask Him, He will teach you. He will show you these things. Go and check it out in Scripture because He'll, as I'm saying, Scripture isn't written. And there's a whole teaching in 1 first, in first Corinthians chapter 2. It says the, man, the flesh cannot understand the things of God. But you can understand it because you have received the Spirit of God and you can receive it. If you want to understand, if you want to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, it will radicalize and change your life. And people, this gospel is why we're here today. Amen. If you're new here and, or, or you're watching online, if you've never heard the gospel like this today, we're going to give you a moment to, to personalize this and think about this because what you choose, that's not a magic uh, word. I'm not going to give you words to say. In fact, I'm not even going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud. I'm going to ask you, To mean them in your heart. If this is something that you should do. Do you want to be reconciled? Do you want his righteousness? Do you want your deliverance from sin? Then say this. Let's pray together. Just say something, something like this in your heart. Like I said, in your heart. Say this in your heart. Say, Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to take the punishment for all my sin. Thank you Jesus for giving me your righteousness. Or maybe he was going to say something like this, "Lord, I don't even understand this, but something rings true. Show me the truth. Teach me. Teach me about this good news. I open my heart. I want to know you. They say you're good. I want to experience your goodness. They say you are love. I want to experience your love. Jesus, you died on that cross and became Lord and Savior, and I declare you Lord and Savior of my life right now. Let me tell you, if you mean that in your heart right now, Romans 10 says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. simply that's all you need he will meet you where that is at your life won't be the same make it personal there's only room for you at the cross at the foot of the cross it's not a congregation it's not a country it's you if you're looking up at the cross right now and you see his body beaten bleeding Jesus did that for you. And say, Jesus, I received that punishment. I received that fact that you paid, took my punishment. And here's some things that I just want you to think about the exchange. Jesus was punished that you might be forgiven, Jesus was wounded that you might be healed, Jesus was made sin. that that we may be made the righteousness, his righteousness, righteous. Jesus tasted death that we may share in his life. Jesus was made a curse that we may receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we may share in his abundance. Jesus bore the shame that we may share in his glory. Jesus endured my rejection that I might have his acceptance with the Father. He was cut off that we may be joined with him. My old man was put to death that the new man may come to life. Just in this attitude of prayer, I just wanna remind you this, the communion The cup of communion which we celebrate here typically on Wednesdays and occasional Sundays is a reminder of this. The bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, broken for you. That's the one thing he said that we should do regularly. The other thing was to be baptized, by the way. That was the only other thing Jesus asked us. He didn't even ask us to celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday. But he did say... Remember this, this covenant, his body broken for you, the bread. And then he said, the new covenant in my blood. Remember the new covenant is that covenant of peace that we read about. That is something that we celebrate regularly. The finished work is so much greater than all we, that we can, that we can learn, well we can understand at the moment, but we certainly can grow in understanding. Hallelujah. That's what you believe. Then I encourage you in your heart to say the amen. That's all that you do. If you believe that you've heard something and you agree with it, then say the amen in your heart and say, Lord, I receive that. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Well, there is going to be, there is a prayer ministry team that as we close the service now, they're going to be up here. If you have not received the Holy Spirit I want to encourage you or don't even know about him you want and you're ready and you've studied it and you're ready to receive or you want to speak to somebody they can talk they can but this week again overflow week is going to be powerful and it's going to be informative I encourage you to come back this week one week only um, at 6:30 Monday to Friday um, it's going to be good you know once you stand up up with me uh, for a second. I want you listen to this instruction before uh, before we go out. I want you to find the ugliest, stinkiest, least deserving person around around you and give them the biggest, warmest, most genuine hug. Because that's the <laughs> that's the person you are and our God sees that seen you. <coughs> Love you guys. Have a great weekend.